Good to go. Welcome to What We're Afraid to Say from the Pulpit. This is episode seven, maybe? Uh huh. I could count. Episode seven. <laughs> You're listening to What We're Afraid to Say from the Pulpit. And we thought we'd talk about today the role of emotion in worship. Wait, in worship or in preaching? I guess both. In making announcements from the front, in making your weekly newsletter, in making this podcast. Uh, the role of emotion and manipulation. That has a negative connotation to it. I think we want to talk about what moves people. And if you're aware of what moves people and you do it anyway, is that manipulation? <laughs> if you're aware of what you should be aware of when you're preaching up front, when you're in a class, whatever, you should be aware of how you're coming across. You're, uh, we're a little toned up to that sometimes, mm-hmm. especially if it's a hot topic for ourselves. We've talked about this before. A hyper acuity and awareness that comes from preaching up front when you know who's bored out of their minds, sitting in the pews, even your friends, mm-hmm. and when you know surprisingly who you look out and go, oh my gosh, uh, that person is really paying attention. They got that point. Uh-huh. That's why they're coming up to me afterwards to say, here's what I liked about your preaching. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, worship is something that you can't take emotion out of. We all have emotions, right? That's. Uh, we would hope so, you know, <laughs> if we're normal, yeah. Um, so you can't take it out, but also... It's good for us as pastors, theologians, leaders in church to be aware of how we can manipulate emotions in some right, way. Right, right. I mean, like you're saying, when we're up front preaching, we're hoping we're, we're going to get some kind of emotional reaction. I hope reaction. I matter to you out there that it lands uh-huh. somewhere. It's not just a cognition you're yep. having. Um <laughs> Or, or just uh, wanting them to have some kind of response, sure. right? That it's not just an intellectual uh, uh, exercise. Our previous comrade, Nick, oh, talked about music a lot in this regard. And mm-hmm. He was trying to shape the worship service. His main concern was uh, both telling a story, we've talked about that too, what, what goes on in terms of flow, but he was also very fond of saying what really matters is where it lands in people's hearts, uh-huh. which as a Presbyterian made me a little anxious. <laughs> but, but I get it. Well, yeah, because it. I mean, if you think about emotions in worship, you mostly think of like Pentecostals, right? Of very charismatic right. or non-denominational or Baptist. Presbyterians, the the joke all the time is the frozen sure. chosen, right? right. Um, but people do come to church and are looking for something to fill them up, inspire them. Uh, help them inspire feel comforted yeah, I've yeah. heard that before um, so that's why when people are looking for those emotions and they get a different one like a challenge <laughs> uh, that, that messes things up for them emotionally of what right. to expect it's jarring isn't it yeah uh, one of my problems is uh, I'm most afraid of being boring and that leads me to err on the side of whatever is contraindicated is worth doing. Whatever is jarring is at least better than a boring sermon. Uh-huh. 
And so, yes, to inspire, to be filled with breath, to give them something as a positive emotion, and uh, it's the ideas for me that are often stunning or surprising, which is not the same as, oh, Pastor, that was very heartwarming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes me feel better about myself. Right. Which that can be dangerous too if it's too often, because church isn't supposed to be a place where we just come together and feel better about ourselves. Um, my. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is from Rachel Held Evans, uh, mm-hmm. that church should always be safe, but never comfortable. Well, that's a good distinction, isn't it? And so that's playing with those emotions a bit too, like you, that you'll be able to feel safe here to ask questions, to... Place um, to be, regardless of what happens. Yep. But you shouldn't, accepted. you shouldn't get comfortable because God's going to call us to uncomfortableness. Uh, this whole... Jesus' path is very uncomfortable, I think. Um, right. So, but in our culture, uh, somebody used this term, uh, the evangelical, uh, the evangelical industrial complex, and how our whole Christian wow. culture in America uh-huh. has been shaped by that, and it's shaped by consumerism and capitalism. What books are selling the best in sure. Christian culture? A lot of self-help. What's making the news? Uh-huh. Uh, what kind of music? Oh, it's the music that makes me mm-hmm. feel good and brightens my day. Uh, so Christianity is not immune to uh, capitalism and things like that. There's industries and businesses behind this that are trying to make money. And so they find what is the thing that people what works flock to, mm-hmm. and they're going to do more of that, right? Um, and that's also why you know, when we talk about the Walmartification of churches, if you look at a lot of non-denoms, they're kind of all playing from the same playbook. Uh, the, the whole marketing, the look of them, the feel of them, uh, of course they all have their distinctions, but uh, they know, they've honed it down, they know what people want. Um, they found that, that piece of the emotion that drives people to continue to purchase the product. Or to continue showing up on Sunday morning. Give them a reason to want to drag someone else, their kids, their husband. Mm-hmm. So what is the, uh, there's two things I want to talk about. I don't know what order. One is the role of liturgy, uh, as in the sameness, uh, the structure, the form, chapter headings of worship. And the other is, of course, we have to talk about Asbury. Is it Asbury where the yeah, yeah, revival is yeah. going on right now? Do yeah. you know the school? Uh, it's Methodist, I think. All right. Um, but I don't know much about the school. Oh, no, it's on our Twitter feeds every yeah. day now, and we're four or five days into an event. Yeah. So people are listening, and, well, this will be There's released a, next got, week. It's right? got to so, be done. <laughs> it's yeah. got to be done by then. Yeah. So it's been about a week, I yeah, think. Uh-huh. The, uh, their chapel, people have been in it constantly praying, worshiping, uh, singing, things like that. And uh, they're calling it a revival, which was kind of foreign language to me in a Peace USA context. Right. That's very much more a Pentecostal sure. language. Baptist this is a spirit me. coming down, and I believe mm-hmm. it has in some way here. Mm-hmm. And this is, uh, we're, we're challenging each other now because we're thinking of how cynical to get. <laughs> How naive to get, how much just I want to 
believe and affirm it and be joyous about it. I've mm-hmm. uh, listened in only a little, only little snippets. They've had a, with 24 hours a day, right? Just keep on going around the clock. And so they have rotating worship leaders and uh-huh. it's all very grassroots is my understanding is that people are getting tired and someone else comes in. Yep. It's very unpredictable and someone else is up front doing a great testimony mm-hmm. and tearfully uh, confessing. Mm-hmm. And they're experiencing it as a very unique blessing and right. intervention on God's behalf right. towards them. Yeah. My initial, like you, I think, uh, my initial reaction is cynical. It's like, uh, okay, well, that's a different tradition. Whatever they interpret it as, fine. I'm not really buying it all that much. But then when I sat with it longer and challenged myself, I was like, don't write things off. Um, <laughs> Good. Uh, but I, I saw somebody, uh, I think her, her name is Alicia, Alicia Crosby on Twitter. Jordan's talking about Alicia Crosby Mack, a lover, space curator, professional questioner, black and queer, chasing all things beautiful, divine, and just. Uh, said we need to make a distinction between religious euphoria and revival. Wow. Because that was my first initial cynical response is, oh, this is just like a mass hysteria thing. Like this is huh. just emotions that's kind of like Run catches on. Run getting right. into it. The... And it's college kids, so... I don't have to go to class if I'm at the revival. (laughs) Wow. I didn't know you were going that low. Because it's the thing that's happening on campus. It's a party. Uh Yep. Um, Interesting. Yeah, that was my first initial thought. It was like, oh, I've been a part of stuff like this before where... uh, It's happening. Yeah, and and you just get caught up in it. Um, You kind of... But that, of course, wouldn't obviate God being involved somehow. Mm -hmm. Right. Or some authentic religious experience, some life-changing things happening for the people there. Right. Um, Or for the professors, that's who we should be talking to, who know these kids and have been around, who maybe are part of it, or maybe saying, come on, time to get back, finals are coming up, or whatever they say. Yeah. I guess my question about a revival is, is there supposed to be an outcome or is it just worshiping God together for long periods of time because you're feeling connected to God and to what, each other? Wouldn't that be enough? Do, you, you, do they have to come up with a game plan or do they have to form Presbyterian committees to validate it? What are we, <laughs> what are we looking for here? Why not a week of just praying and reading scripture and giving testimony and singing and crying and laughing <sighs> and celebrating? That's a bad use of time? Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying I would be there. No, I'm just, uh, I'm just realizing the deep cynicalness in me <laughs> around this. Uh, to me, it feels like there has to be some kind of change. If it, in my mind, if it's a true revival of God, really uh, showing God's self to people mm-hmm. and people connecting to that, there needs to be some form of repentance and not just like, oh, I'm sorry, God, I haven't talked to you as much as I should. A form of repentance that actually transforms your heart. By the way, that's true. You haven't talked to God as much as you should. Isn't that repentance right there and awareness of how, what, Calvin, how far I've fallen? Or for any of us, just, I want to be a better Christian. I want to be a closer follower. I should yeah. spend more time praying, uh-huh. praising reading, studying, being quiet. That's fair. Um. (laughs) That's fair, yeah, yeah.
to me, it's just kind of like, unless the everybody that's a part of this revival has some kind of transformation, mm. that now they're going to live their lives a little bit differently, then I'm pretty skeptical of it. Then it just feels like camp. Um, camp. Camp. We believe in camps. We send kids on mission trips and do winter retreats. Uh-huh. We always long for a lasting change. Mm-hmm. We know that from our own experiences, adolescence, coming back from camp and wanting to hang on to the high, yep. and you can't. Yep. Or at least not for an indefinite period of time. I guess that's a good way to kind of give this context for people. Like if you've been to camp, or like on a mission trip or stuff, that, that high feeling you have mm-hmm. of like being close We're to together. God, we all together. Community. I think that's what's happening yeah. within this. And that doesn't right. mean it's not revival or it's not God working. Uh, I just have, a, I guess, a few examples in my own life and experiences of how within worship you can somehow manipulate emotions to bring about <laughs> something like this. Uh, first experience. I was part of a ministry in high school called Teens Encountering Christ. A T-E-C? See, I'm good at acronyms. Yeah, tech. All right. That's the shorthand is tech. Um, And it'd be like a weekend retreat. All right. uh, At a church, usually churches would host it. And uh, you went through as a, I can't remember if you're called a candidate, but you become part of a, a group uh, you get put into a group with a essentially a mentor and a student mentor. So an adult and a student who's gone through tech before. They're kind of your leaders for that little group. A little discipling. Yep. And the whole weekend is surrounded around this idea of we're listening to people give their testimonies about how God mm-hmm. has worked in their lives. And some of them are pretty tough stuff. Uh, and, and then there's like a, a dinner at some point. Oh, gosh, I'm not supposed to talk about this. That's the problem. <laughs> it gets cultish, and, and I'll explain that a little bit later, too. Uh, but you're not supposed to talk about it outside of tech uh, with people to ruin right. the surprise. Uh, this is like right? marriage encounter, which way predates you. I bet it's very similar to that. It comes out of late 60s. Yeah. This actually, this tech thing, from what I understand, historically came out of a Catholic thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Same. Um, same as marriage encounter. Yeah, so it's probably the same thing, but with teens rather yep, than yep. adults. Yeah, that's the idea. And then there's a big dinner as like the... the love fest. Yeah. We're all together. Uh-huh, the love fest. And, and there's usually a picture of Jesus at the head of the table, and it's all <laughs> like this. It, so... My experience with that and was how he, it felt... Was he white? I suspect he was white. <laughs> well, yeah, it was the traditional Jesus <laughs> painting in every church that's of a Swedish Jesus. You know? uh, not quite Swedish. It's, right, I uh, get it. I know. Um, so this is where I look back and I'm like... It felt like it was emotionally manipulating because mm. they put trash bags over all the windows. They take down all the clocks... So you don't really know what time it is uh, <laughs> because you're on God's time, well, right? Uh, yes. And, and so, and I get that. There, there's a good sense yeah. of like, let's not worry about anything else. This I is time it. to connect with God. Sign me up. Um, uh, but with every activity, there's an emotion they're trying to provoke. Right. There's Very there, pointed. Yeah, there's times where they're like, you're going to cry now. They don't say that, right. but like, that's what... <laughs> 
the activity is doing. Uh, and you get to hear other people's testimonies about their lives, which can make you cry. And then you get into a small room together after each talk and your group talks together about it. Um, so there's a real sense of it. It helps people know they're not alone in their struggles. Uh-huh. But then it also hammers in this idea of like, you need to repent. You are you know, a horrible human being. Um <laughs> And we're going to break you down emotionally this weekend in order for you to do that. Uh, We're going to take away all your defenses and so you can see the truth of this. This sounds like, yeah. Yes. Is this exactly like the marriage thing? It feels a lot of the same. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And Michelle and I always joke because that's actually where we met. uh, The first time ever. So you see, it worked. It transformed (laughs) your life. Right. So I was going to get to that. Like, cause I look back on it. I'm like, gosh, there's a lot of very cult like uh-huh, things uh-huh. within that. But also I can't ignore the role it played in my own faith mm-hmm. in my life. Bravo. Uh, but then I can also look back and be like, hey, you know, both those things. I know that's you know. weird. So that's the, uh, it's neither good nor bad. Um, there's good things and bad things yeah. about it. Uh, I just look back at all the emotional manipulation um, to make you feel a certain way to get a certain right, outcome. Right. Another one was I, I was a leader on a middle school uh, retreat weekend. It's called Power Connection. And uh, the speaker was doing the whole give your life to Christ spiel, the all altar right. call. Uh-huh. And kind of communicated it poorly so all the kids <laughs> well, thought everyone was doing that well, so like when he asked everybody to raise their hands they all did everybody in the auditorium did interesting and then he was like well, well i think <laughs> there's something wrong I we're think. gonna we're gonna be crowded up <laughs> <not> here <laughs> so <laughs> we don't have this many kneeling benches <laughs> it, huh and it was it was one of those times where you saw a plan go wrong right. in worship of actually we just went like we well, thought this was going to happen yeah right? there's uh-huh. only going to be like a handful or more who come down and everybody's going to see it and be inspired cry all that stuff uh, but instead everybody thought it was just what you're supposed to do and then that right. didn't feel yeah. authentic ouch that's weird yeah man. yeah so it's a very delicate thing i think it is um, uh, let's see, Billy Graham Crusades predate you because they almost predate me. I remember yeah. as a kid or a junior higher going to one in the Seattle Kingdome and the crowds, and I didn't quite get it except the music was pretty great and there's lots of people around me and we're singing. And you know, they had some hands in the air and that made me anxious because I'm a Presbyterian. Uh-huh. Decades later, two decades later, I'm at a Promise Keepers event. <laughs> a couple of those. That Your were life-changing. Promise keepers. Fantastic events. Actually, I still say uh, best religious singing I've ever been a part of. Mm. Promise keepers, whenever it was. Mm, this is in Boise. My brother and I went. Both of us pastors. Uh-huh. Both of us as cynical and skeptical as can be. Both of us rejoicing. We were called the uh, one of the nights. It's only a two-night. I can't remember two-night thing. But one of the events was towards the end. Uh, all the clergy come down on the floor so we can pray over you. Yeah. Very sweet blessing, overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And to hear those 13,000 sing, rise up, a man of God, this, out of this world. Yep. And it didn't shut off in my mind 
the sense of, wow, this feels both powerful and I'm a little skeptical and worried about what this entails. And yes, I can see some of the paths, some of the markings along the way where they're pushing us to confess, pushing us to be authentic, yep. pushing us even with the stranger next to us yep. to be vulnerable. But you know, Promise Keepers has like a whole chapter dedicated to it in Jesus and John Wayne. <laughs> I got I to read the book. I yeah, bought the book from it. you and now I'll find it. Yeah. Oh my God, what a loaded piece there. The masculinity issues, absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I remember going camping. Uh, my dad went to one up in Minneapolis and the whole family went, but we, we camped and, and he, he went off. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Did he love it? No, I don't remember. Okay. Uh, I think like most men at that time, they're kind of forced to go in some way by their wife or <laughs> church or something. Think about all these emotional manipulation things and like the Billy Graham stuff. I also, I think about that as not very far off from like, if you go to a Pentecostal church that has somebody who does healings. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen those videos of they touch the head and they fall over and yes. everything? Yes, there's a huge amount of psychological pressure yeah. and other things going on here. Yeah, the, what do they call it? Uh, there's a term for it, but basically it's when you're part of a large group, you start to think like each other. And so when you see people going through those things, all of a sudden now you're going yeah. through those same things. That's how tight the connection is. Uh-huh. It can and be powerful. It can be beautiful, overwhelming. Yeah. And I, I've read a lot of stories from uh, people who left those um, traditions uh-huh. uh, and said, like, listen, I was a young kid and I was just doing what right. you, I thought I was supposed you, to do. I saw the sure. adults falling over, slain in the and spirit. Slain. And so I did that. I know that. how to do that. Yeah. 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 So then that calls the question, like, how authentic is it? Sure. In my mind. Sure. Um, Be sure to listen to episode eight coming up when we get to talk about one of my favorite topics, music. In worship, I get to play piano and guitar sometimes, and uh, there's music that's good, and there's music that's great, and there's music that's mediocre. But how we do them, what I'm mindful of, is arranging a piece of music. Thanks for listening to What We're Afraid to Say from the Pulpit. God can still work through all that stuff, which kind of makes me mad because <laughs> i want to be right right i want to i want to be we, like we no, that's want wrong. in our safe distance objectivity to be yeah. correct yep thanks for listening to what we're afraid to say from the pulpit conversations on streamable faith and living the questions 